Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Townsend will hold it. 11 seconds left in Super Bowl 57, 35-35 tie. The kick is good. And Kansas City leads 38-35 with eight seconds to go in regulation in Super Bowl 57. Chiefs 38. And the Eagles 35. Six seconds left in Super Bowl 57 regulation. Hertz takes the snap. The Chiefs. Only rushing two on a delay. Clock is going to be out of time. And the pass is going to be underthrown. It's incomplete. It's incomplete. Everyone, everyone who claims the Chiefs kingdom will raise a banner above the National Football League again for the second time in four seasons. The Lombardi Trophy has a red and gold reflection, a big red reflection. The Chiefs are champions of Super Bowl 57. The incredible Mitch Holtis, his call there in Kansas City or to Kansas City. Kevin Harlan, of course, with Westwood One. Was it super enough? Great to have you in on a Monday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by Currency for all your equipment. Financing needs go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. That pained our man, Elijah Herbal, to, uh, to run those two highlights, being the Denver fan he is. But Kansas City right now, uh, two championships, three trips. Philadelphia, nothing to hang their head about. Uh, we'll dive in and uh, react to the Super Bowl. You've had a, about 24 hours to chew on it. Uh, we'll get there. We'll talk about the walk-on program with Nebraska football. What's the right number? What is the right number? Good story from Sam McEwen uh, this morning with his rewind. And Fred Hoiberg. Fred just keeps on keeping on. What a magical day Saturday at PBA for Nebraska basketball. Charlie McBride in one hour. And then we'll spend time with Jay Moore in hour two. His takeaway, the former NFL and Husker ball player, gives us his take. Also, uh, he was at an uh, interesting time in Nebraska football when the walk-on numbers were sliced by Coach Callahan. What's Jay's take on the walk-on numbers? Numbers to get in today at Hale Varsity at 466-3776-466-3776. Toll free at 800-825-5865 where you hear us across Hale Varsity Radio's network. Uh, ESPN Lincoln and Twitter, Facebook, Hale Varsity YouTube where you can watch the show. Give the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter Handle a follow as well at HVarsity Radio. Catch Damon and Andrew weekday mornings from 7 to 9 uh, and catch us on the way home. 
So, Super Bowl 57 delivered. It was 38-35. Some poignant moments. Or do you just remember it for dun-dun-dum, the call, the flag, the third and eight hold that really wasn't a hold? Uh, We'll get to your calls in a moment. I liken it like this. Have you ever been nailed for speeding, but you go, you know, I really wasn't speeding. Have you ever been popped for going five over? Speeding. No is my answer. I got popped on the way back from Colorado for speeding, going 10 over. I was the pace car for the rest of the baseball caravan. Uh, I've been given warnings for seven over, eight. Seven, eight over, you're playing with a little fire to get stopped. Five over, never, ever. That's what James Bradbury's flag was last night. Getting a speeding ticket going five miles per hour over the speed limit. Time and place, right? Give me consistency. Eagles fans, football fans, folks that are screaming still about it on Twitter, I hear you. You've been a fan of a team, and your team's been robbed before because of a bad call. It's not the reason, but it didn't help. I'll say this. Four possessions, four scores, incredibly lopsided, almost a tribute to Nebraska football, time of possession shift one way to Philly, and it was all about Patrick Mahomes' leadership, Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, and what they did. They made more plays, special teams, the scoop and score. That's your turning point. And you know it and I know it. They don't scoop that football up and score to tie it at 14. Philly's marching to go up 10 or 14, and then it's different. I'm going to say this, too. They play on any other turf, maybe it's a different ball game. And, and hear me out on this because of just what type of ice rink that was. Both teams had to play on it. Both the the big uglies, offensive line and defensive line, had to deal with it. But Kansas City's offensive line was incredible. They were incredible. Just five hurries with a a depleted quarterback back there that's still better at 70% than anyone else at 100%, most people anyway. And, And they allowed zero sacks. Kansas City... Got a little bit more pressure, but Hertz was was awesome. Hertz was awesome except for the fumble. 300 yards passing, 70 yards rushing, was a warrior, was under duress more than Mahomes and, and found some major completions. Last night was about quarterback development, two quarterbacks that really have worked hard on their game. Hertz is a thrower, clearly, if you think back to the national title game where he got pulled. And then Mahomes is a quiet guy that likes to go out and throw the football. Well, last night at halftime, great story, Kansas City star Elijah, where he goes in to a man, looks each teammate in the eye, and then gets his hype man, Kelsey, saying, why, why is there no energy? We're fine. It's only 10 points. We're the bleeping Chiefs. And he fired his guys up, and they came out and executed Andy Reid quietly, going to his big guys on the offensive line, saying, look, you guys are going to have to play great football for me the second half if we want to win. That was his message. But it was it was leadership last night. Not that Hurts didn't have it, but Kansas City had been here, done that. We talk about experience, being at the rodeo before 
great ball game. I'm not going to remember last night as the penalty flag that was. I'm going to remember it as Kansas City finding a way, and I'm going to remember Jalen Hurts on that stage delivering, absolutely delivering, but the fumble was the moment in time that flipped everything. Yeah, and I'll get to the penalty here in just a second because I do feel like we need to spend a little bit of time on that, but Russ Hochstein, whenever we had him on last week and we heard this interview on Saturday, it was also a podcast exclusive. Mm-hmm. Uh, how prophetic does he sound saying, man, I-, I think the Chiefs might have the advantage because Andy Reid's been there, he's done that, and he knows that Super Bowls are two completely different games separated by halftime. Yes. And that's what last night looked like. The Chiefs... <laughs> like like Russ had been in, in that world before. Yeah, and that's what he said. He said, I think the Chiefs might have the advantage because they know that. They know it's a compl- it's going to be a completely different game among two halves. And it looked like a completely different game in the second half. For that Chiefs offense, I mean, every single drive that they had in the second half was a scoring drive. And I think that's uh, one of the stats that I'm taking away is the third down efficiency for both of these teams. They're both decent. The Eagles were 11 for 18. Which is nuts. I mean... To lose. Going 11 for 18 but, and scoring 35 but points. But the stat of the game to me is that the Chiefs were only uh, facing a third down eight times last night. Yeah, four for eight. Four for eight. <laughs> but but as an Eagles defense, you were only able to get them to third down eight times. I mean, the Chiefs only had four drives in the second half. No, I know. And and they they didn't have the ball in the first half. It was like 22 to seven. Time F- of possession. 53 plays for 340 yards for the Chiefs. 6.4 yards per play mm-hmm. for the Chiefs. I mean, that Eagles defense was Swiss cheese. And then even when they did... Get the, the Chiefs to third down. The Chiefs still with a 50% conversion rate. That's good enough. Uh, so I don't think, back to the penalty, that the penalty swayed the result of this game. I do they think... Hit a fi- they probably hit a field goal. I, I think it robbed the neutral fan or... Don't know what that was. Uh, <laughs> I think it robbed the neutral fan, and I guess you could argue the Eagles fan too of what could have been one of the better endings in Super Bowl history. If you give Jalen Hurts the you ball had two minutes, minutes to drive, go, go down, hit a field goal, let's get some overtime. I think that's awesome. And to look at the penalty specifically, uh, I don't agree with the call based on how the game was being called. Uh, now, why here? Why now? now? You haven't been doing a damn thing all yes. game long. I mean, there was. I'm pretty sure zero pass interferences called in that game, and I'm pretty sure there were zero defensive holding calls as well. Until Sue, Sue got his money's play. worth. Until <laughs> and, that play, hands to the face. I guess the the best way I see what that calls by the letter of the law, by what the rule book says. Yes, it was holding, but speeding at five miles over the the speed limit. To me, it it's it's that pitcher that's been pitching a gym all game long. Because the umpire behind the plate's been giving him his spots. You know what? You want the corner? I'll give you the corner all game long until it's three to two in the bottom of the eighth inning, and now that call has magically gone away. Like now you're no longer getting that pitch. And so as that's it, what it feels like to me. If the refs aren't going to call that in the secondary all game long, they were letting those those receivers and those corners play all game long. You're going to call that one, which was ticky tacky, and hey, not to mention it was within five yards of the line of scrimmage. Should be noted. Holding still applies within five yards of the line of scrimmage, but it's it's been an unspoken rule in the NFL. You get a lot more leeway within five yards of the line of scrimmage. If that holding call occurs 20 yards downfield on a, a, a break on a route, I'd have less of a problem with it, but it's right next to the line of scrimmage. It was very minor. I don't think it affected the route of Juju all that much, and not to mention... Patrick Mahomes overthrew that ball anyway. He was not going to throw a pick in that situation. He was just putting it up there in a place where, you know what, if we get lucky, my receiver's the only one that can get it, but if not, we'll take our three points. And they get bailed out by a holding call that 
I don't know. It just hadn't been called all game long. And I think with the Eagles, with how the, the field conditions were, they were getting away with some of that. But the refs were letting them play until the most important moment of the game. Nobody was be- even being breathed on and guys couldn't get out of their break because the turf was so garbage. And, and so I think the, they were getting a little leeway, the secondary. You know what? If you grab a little piece of the receiver on the break so you don't slip and fall because this field sucks, we're going to give that to you. But you can't go back on that with two minutes left to play in the game. The most important play of the game. Time and space, man. I, I agree with you on give me consistency. Don't make it about you. Um, he, there, was no, there, was a, there was a minimal jersey tug, and there was a little hip placement. James Bradbury admitted to it. He's like, look, I was holding. I was hoping they'd let it slide. So, yeah. I mean, if you do within five yards of what normally goes on off the ball, you're going to jail. Because it's super violent, it's super physical. And for for what went down, it was a shame. I still think, I know Butker missed earlier. I don't think he misses that. We, we won't know. We, we, we don't know. But it's still tied. And uh, it would have been cool to see Philly get a chance. But in Kansas City's defense, they made the special teams play. They responded after the response score. I mean, they'd come all the way back from down 10 to, to go up uh, by eight. And then Philly marches down 70-plus yard drive. Great plays by Hertz. Mahomes was a warrior. I mean, and, and just appreciate it. Appreciate both quarterbacks and, and what you see uh, moving forward. I and mean, we love football. It's such a great game. Sad that it's over. Spring ball's around the corner. We'll get to some thoughts on Nebraska football and what needs to be the reality with the walk-on program. I like Kansas City. Going at it with some some run game uh, like they did in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. They needed to, to give their defense a little bit of a breather. They outrushed the Eagles. I know. And a big help in that was that, that Patrick Mahomes scramble on the final drive. That, that was a, you a big You see him just there. hopping along. <laughs> <laughs> but who would have predicted that going into this game? I mean, the, the, the X's and O's, the scouting report told us that the Eagles were the better rushing team and the, the Chiefs go out there and not rush them in the Super Bowl. And that's kind of my point when I, get back to the, Reed, with, when I get back to the penalties. Yes, it robbed us of what could have been a great finish, but at the same time, the better team ended up on top of us. And that pains me to say, this is my special place in hell. Uh, the Chiefs winning two Super Bowls in four years and turning into a bit of a dynasty. It pains me to say, the better team won that game last night and they proved it in the second half. They, they were the better second half team. They came back. They deserved to win the football game. But man, I wish we could have seen what could have been if the Eagles would have gotten the ball back with two minutes. Overtime would have been awesome. Uh, a little bit more of an exclamation point. It was a bit annoying with uh, waiting for kickoff, finally. Uh, I'm, I'm not the biggest Rihanna fan, so uh, halftime was eh for me. I actually agree. I mean, I just... Good for her being uh, pregnant and, and being stories above the stadium while fireworks are going off. Uh, I, I'm not a heights guy, so have at it. Uh, but no, and then I thought the commercials, for the most part, pretty much sucked as well. They, Food was good. I ended up uh, meeting Dolman. We had wings. I didn't make them. I kind of chickened out there, no pun intended. Did you uh, go full bore with your... Uh, your meat sweats attempt. Yes, yes. M- many herbs were made, more than I could handle. Uh, I have given some away to my dad. I think we were giving some of the leftovers away to my brother. That's how many ribs we had. We had fillies. So you do, th- you do three racks? Yes. Okay. We had three racks, uh, and then uh, we had fillies. We had buffalo chicken dip. We had chips and guac. We had cookies. I mean, we, had, we had everything you could have wanted. It was, it was awesome. 
Well, so so I was a winner with uh, with the food situation last night. If there's any positive takeaway for me, the, the Broncos fan from last night, but it was a little depressing post game to be like, ah oh, man, the Chiefs really have overtaken the Broncos really bad, huh? Well, hey, you, you've got a new sheriff in Donkey Land with Sean Payton. You've still got Russell Wilson. You've got a good defense. You've got a great, great, fun division. But today's not about the Broncos. It is not. It, it is what, about what, what Denver's chasing. So take your emails, chris at alevarsity.com at 466-3776. Did the flag, did the, the penalty, is that going to overshadow last night? Or do the, does the quarterback play... Is that what's sticking out to you? Even if you hate the Chiefs, you kind of got to bend the knee, so to speak, to uh, to what they've done and, and how they've done it. Uh, Andy Reid, and it had to be sweet for him. Had to be sweet for him as, uh, as much as he put into Philly, getting him to NFC championships, getting him to a Super Bowl, and it was just time to go a different direction. And Philly stabilized, finally. Uh, after their own Super Bowl win, they got over the hump, and Reed is is as good as it gets. Uh, good for Andy Reed. We'll talk Huskers and walk-on program next. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Hope you're well on a Monday. It's Hail Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency. And uh, the walk-on program is near and dear. To Nebraska football fans, it's near to and dear to many families because they've had a loved one, probably, or know somebody from the town that they grew up in that, man, you were good enough to walk on at Nebraska. That's still uh, vital. And from a, a wins and losses standpoint, you think uh, I am hip, Jared Tomich, uh, Janovich, uh, Foltz, uh, Riley. I mean, there's some dudes that that were beyond incredible locker room and then on-field guys. So it has paid dividends, and it's been the eraser for programs like Nebraska. It's been the eraser for programs like Wisconsin, who've emphasized it. J.J. Watt, a walk-on. And (laughs) they are um, Reimer, all right, recently. Those are all dudes that, that came in and were good enough to start and have a monster impact and, and be really, really good football players. Um, you, you're going to have strength in numbers with a, a large walk-on roster. It's not only going to, historically speaking, allow you to, to practice at a highly physical level, but it, it's a buy-in, it's a camaraderie, it's also uh, a way to push the... Uh, the high-profile guys that come into the football program. You either uh, hit a certain standard or get embarrassed by a walk-on. There's nothing wrong with that, but, okay, this this 
kid's paying his own way and he's kicking my ass during practice. I better step my game up or go do something else. You, you can't lose that part of it, but from a uh, standpoint of Title IX compliance and from an athletic department edict, Nebraska's going to have to shave the roster. Uh, the 150-man roster was great. The reason it was so large, T.O. had a four-station practice going and guys were being coached up. They were getting reps in. And when it was their time, Matt Turman, to come in and run the offense, you did it. And you won at a, a really incredible spot to go win a football game at during a national championship season down at Kansas State. So there has been reward in the football world for being prepared, staying af- after it, and wanting to be a guy that, that just contributes and, and helps be part of the football team. Now, uh, under Coach Frost, and, and I like the fact that, that Frost was giving guys his opportunity, their opportunity to, to live out their dream and, and play ball and contribute. There's got to be a happy medium uh, right now, and there's a new era of happy medium, Elijah, and that's what Coach Rule's going to have to deal with. And, and he gets it as well as anybody because he himself was a walk-on. He found a way on to Penn State and made a great coaching career out of it. Also, obviously, contributed to some really good Penn State football teams. So the days of the Big Red Army being 150, 160, 200 deep during the Devaney era are going to be no more. And you're going to have to target and be real good. And this staff loves to pride themselves on being able to evaluate, you're going to have to evaluate about 10 to 12 walk-ons that are going to be difference makers for you. And Nebraska's done that. They've, they've evaluated in past uh, years who can, can help this football team and then what do I see on the field uh, with development. What, what, Jared Tomich leads the, the team in sacks in, in 1995. 1990, uh, 1995. So it's it's folklore, and it's more than that. It, it's about a it's, it's a commitment, and it's a commitment from your own. And a lot of times, kids from the state of Nebraska. And I think one of the problems with the the walk on program, and I'm not sure I should call it a, a problem. It's just kind of the way college Challenges. football has moved to challenge with the walk on program is the fact that there are fewer and fewer guys that slip through the cracks every single year. They do exist. You you listed a couple of them off. Andy Janovich is a guy who slipped through the cracks. Luke Reimer's a guy that slipped through the cracks, and the reasons are there. I mean, Luke Reimer came from eight man football up and then uh, played at North Star mm-hmm. and. And even then, you're still playing in Nebraska. Uh, but it's kind of one of the things we've talked about over the past weeks and months on this show is that other schools are coming to Nebraska to recruit more than they ever have. There's more of a national eye on recruiting within the state of Nebraska. Even when you get out to West, to, to Ainsworth, there's there's high-level recruits in Ainsworth that people are finding. There's uh, a tight end in Ainsworth the entire college football world once from South Bend to, to, to Georgia to Clemson. Mm-hmm. And 20 years ago? Nebraska knew about him. Exactly. Maybe if you had somebody humping it for Colorado or Wyoming, mm-hmm. they knew about it. That's it. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the national eye doesn't overlook places like Nebraska anymore. And you combine that with the fact all of these regional camps that get put on. Guys can go uh, and drive to Chicago in a day and be on, an, uh, on a camp and go from being a no-name guy to being a three-star recruit in, in one day. And it's just the, the simple fact of the matter is there's so many eyes on recruiting nowadays that – 
there's fewer guys that slip through the cracks that whenever you get them into a walk-on program, they're going to they're gonna pop. It just doesn't happen as much. Now, there are still guys, as I listed before, but is it worth the opportunity cost to be bringing in 100, 120 walk-ons over the course of three to four years and one or two of those guys pop and end up being contributors and then one every eight years ends up being a starter that goes and, and plays in the NFL. Guys like Riley, guys like Andy Janovich. Mm. Is that worth the opportunity cost with the amount of time investment that you have to go put in for walk-ons? I think that's what the question becomes right now is we all know, yes, guys still slip through the cracks in national recruiting since, but it's becoming more and more uncommon for those guys to slip through the cracks and combine it with the fact of it's tougher to get them tougher to get them there's great programs around here northwest missouri state you go off to, to kansas or iowa and go juco you go play for south dakota state you could play for south dakota north dakota state there's so many great football programs around all the way from division one down to division three that kids would rather play at and get some scholarship money rather than walking on at nebraska that there's just numerous complicating factors with the walk-on program that make bringing in 30, 35 walk-ons from preferred and just actual walk-ons every single year, less and less feasible. Well, and it's it's a different era. I mean, you're you're hoping to get to a bowl game. You haven't been for six years. Would you rather spend that time trying to find that one walk-on? You walk want to get to a Division two playoff, mm-hmm. right? And, and listen, um, quality of football has never been higher uh, across the state. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to be on it to, to make sure if you can't give the guy a scholarship – start winning on the field to make them want to be part of the program, their state program again, and contribute that way, knowing that, hey, it's not just being on the team or being a tackling dummy, getting my, my, my butt kicked uh, against uh, the black shirts of yesteryear. But, hey, these guys are going to coach me up, so I'm going to be a good football player and I'll have a chance to not only contribute as – a guy that, that maybe makes the two deep or I get to run out on the field for a game day, they want more. And I think the, the kids want more with their investment. And there's also a, a certain number of the population that, yeah, I got my gear, I got my girlfriend, and I really haven't had to practice. This is kind of cool. And that it, it's been that way for a little bit because you've not had it, football's changed, not not for better, not for worse, but changes change with what a, a practice looks like and is uh, at Nebraska. I, I don't know if it's going to be a two station, a three station, a four station, what it, it's going to go to, but you you got better with all those walk ons that were working and getting better each day because they were getting coached and developed and graded. They, they just were, and, and, and it happened. And it was, it was a major, major, major advantage for Nebraska. You don't want that advantage to go away ever uh, during the change that has occurred in college football with those programs you mentioned that are in Nebraska's orbit now and kids are going to. But you got to be really good about who you bring in and you, you need to you need to hit you need to Nebraska has hit on their recruits when it came to closing with this short turnaround. Nebraska needs to hit on making sure that if if they get a walk on kid, he's the next Reimer or Riley or Fultz. Well, well what the walk on program really is is a safety net. 
You know what? We we we, Zero eraser. we 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 missed on a kid in state Nebraska. We gave him a walk-on offer. We we didn't think he was going to turn out to be what he is. And you know what? We got lucky. He was a walk-on. He developed into something, earned himself a scholarship, and now he's a great contributor to this football team. I think what Matt Rule and his staff are are kind of saying right now is, hey, we don't need that big a safety net. We trust our own evaluators here. Either in our opinion, you're good enough to play for Nebraska or you're not. And I'm not saying like the walk-on program is not going away altogether, but it's going to be shrunk down. And I think they're saying here, we can handle a smaller safety net with our in-state recruiting efforts. We trust our evaluation to the point that we know either you're good enough to play for Nebraska or you're not. There's going to be guys that really want to play for Nebraska and we don't think so, but you're right on that line. We're going to give you the preferred walk-on opportunity, but they're saying we trust our evaluation enough that we don't need a huge safety net of 30 high school guys from in-state, inside the state of Nebraska to fill it up. And, and you know what? In case we screw up, we still have that guy in the back pocket. They're just saying either either you're going to be good enough to play for Nebraska and you're going to get a scholarship or you can go elsewhere and we're not going to lose any sleep over it. Well, the other part too, Nebraska is going to have, they're going to have communication. They'll hear from high school coaches in the state of Nebraska, can this kid play? Mm. And they'll be able to be in the schools, be in the opponent's schools and get the info. And then they'll judge for themselves with their eyes and what they'll see and what will be a camp or a workout session and they'll move forward. Who's with us? Yeah, Pete on the line. Pete, thanks for the call. Go ahead. How are you doing today? Good, thanks. I don't care if they reduce the walk-on program down in number some, but I think a lot of the walk-on program is for the late bloomers. It's for the guys that's going to take two to three years to grow into a, a body shape mm-hmm. and change a position. It's for eight-band football, for small high schools. That's got real good athletes. I don't want that to go away. Well, you're going to have to be able to, to hit it, project, and then presumably keep that kid from going somewhere else. But I don't, I don't disagree with you at all because, I mean, a lot of your late bloomers, look at your senior film guys. I mean, that's what the rule and his staff have talked about here a lot the last few weeks, that they love senior film. They're not going to ignore a guy that hasn't developed yet. Pete, thanks for the call. They're going to do their diligence on it. Uh, Redwine65 weighs in as well from the stream, says there used to be a JV team that developed them too. There was freshman ball, there was JV. Yeah, I mean, guys, it, it's not all one size fits all with when you're ready to go and you're, you're ready to go take on Missouri or Oklahoma in the old Big 8. I mean, guys go with their, their own pace, but there needs to be a finish line in sight and there needs to be a a cap, so to speak. And I'm sure there will be the occasional guy that goes off to South Dakota State moving forward, and Nebraska fans go, why didn't we have him? But it's a, I think it's a, a cost that Matt Rule and his staff are willing to take. I, I don't think they're being flippant about it. I think they're going to do the research. Like what you hear, high-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. 
Back with you, Tail Varsity. We're presented by Currency, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. As we're talking about uh, the walk-on program and its size reducing. And also Super Bowl 57. How do you remember it? Great second half by the Chiefs. A crusty, disgusting flag on third and eight. Or kind of somewhere in between. We'll get some thoughts from Fred Hoiberg, Magic at PBA on Saturday here in a little bit. The other thing, uh, just to, to wrap up here on the walk-on program, we'll get Jay Moore's thoughts here in about uh, 40 minutes or so. But there's still a romance when you talk to Nebraska fans about it. And, and you've sat next to probably a Memorial Stadium, somebody whose kid is on the team or you know, it's aunt and uncle that are in town from a small community in Nebraska. They're so proud and that's, that's part of this, too. What, what's the motivation here? And the motivation's always kind of been the, the right reason for somebody to be selfless. That's what it embodied. Not only did it provide a, another body that, got, that had a chance to become talented and, and a good football player and contribute to the team, but it embodied that, that I'm, I'm here for Nebraska attitude. And I think kids aren't more selfish today. I just don't know that the love affairs is strong as it once was with Nebraska. We talk about lost generations where your your flashbulb moments in sports. I mean there's eight to twelve year olds that watched last night and are like, man, I love the Chiefs. Or man, Hertz is great. Right? I mean they, they watched last night and they love football because of what they saw and they're gonna start following Kansas City or Philly if they don't follow Kansas City already because their neighbor's waving a flag. Nebraska football still has kids that grow up that have gone to the uh, stadium for years. They just haven't seen what you grew up with, Elijah, even at a lesser level of 9-4, and 10-4, and four, getting to a conference title occasionally versus what my brother and I got to grow up with in West Stadium before the West Stadium expansion and facelift and, you know, 100 years ago. But, yeah, you're, you're going to go be part of a winning team. I helped contribute to that. And that's, that's the look. It was, it was a selfless act and attitude that, that made mom and dad and grandma and grandpa and the whole town proud. It still does. But you can go make mom and dad and grandma and grandpa proud winning another ring at North Dakota State or at South Dakota State. Or, I mean, let's think about the fact that there's a lot of great football programs around Nebraska that are losing potential talent because of the walk-on program. I mean, It's been that way forever. It's been that way forever, but think about the fact of, okay, the, the Nebraska walk-on program for the past four years has probably been taking in 20 to 30 kids per class. Mm-hmm. There's 20 to 30 kids that can go help UNK. 20 to 30 kids that can go help... Midland, Doan, Wesleyan, and I'm not saying all these guys are, are that level or the level of North Dakota State or South Dakota State, but the simple fact is is there's a lot of great football programs in Nebraska that can still use that talent. Would it, is it better to go play for two years at Nebraska and then say, you know what, I'm tired of getting beat up, uh, I'm tired of being on a losing football team and all, all these these hits I'm taking in practice I'm for I'm tired of, of, of showing up to practice and, and watching. Practice. Watching, yeah. I mean, there's been guys that, that you, I've heard during guys scrimmages. You know. that Yeah, it's scrimmage rolls around. 
we go roll and we, we go sit in the Memorial Stadium seats and we watch the scrimmage today. We're, we're not even suiting up. We're just watching because they don't have enough spots for us in the scrimmage for us to go out there and play. Our, our chance, That's how big it had gotten. Our chance to play is just the spring game, and it's just for one drive in the fourth quarter of the spring game. And, and we're getting our, our practice during fall camp, and then the season rolls around, and you know what? We're sitting on the sideline all fall, and then spring ball rolls around, and we get our, our position work for the day, and then we go sit on the sideline during the scrimmage. And your time to go play dirt with the team is that one possession you get during the spring game, and you go, what, what's the point? Whenever you're just taking away talent from some great football programs in this state. And I'm not saying that the walk-on program can't find great players. I'm not saying that it doesn't still have a place in Husker football moving forward, but you have to use it wisely. It's opportunity cost. Do you, would you rather give that rep to a, a kid who is going to be, you know what, he's going to make his, his town very proud. He's going to make his family very proud. Are you going to give it to the guy that two or three years down the road can legitimately go be a starter and needs the rep? go in and go, go handle this offense on the road at K-State during a national title chase. I mean, so there's, there's no right answer other than what's being mandated where you gotta, you got to shrink the roster. And I, I think that Nebraska is going to be okay because they'll talk to the high school coaches, they'll get, they'll get the rundown, and then they'll see for their eyes and make the judgment there. You just don't want to lose. You don't want to lose the, the scholarship Floreses of the world Okay, on a bigger scale quarterback discussion, and you don't want to lose the the next uh, Spencer Long, right? Now Spencer was from Elkhorn, and they flipped him from defense to offense, and Spencer Long is an incredible offensive lineman in Nebraska. But that's my point. I don't think they'll Nebraska is not going to be informed or do enough uh, research to to miss out. If they miss out, it'll be because a kid's good enough to go play at uh, one of the surrounding schools like a South Dakota State or North Dakota State. And by shrinking the walk-on program, naturally there will be some misses where uh, there ends up being a great football player that goes off to South Dakota State, and he's awesome there, and he you know gets a seventh-round draft pick. Yeah, and yeah. It's going to happen, but it comes down to this staff saying, you know, we trust our evaluation that we're going to have a lot more hits with these guys that we end up offering scholarships to instead of, instead of walk-ons yeah. than the ones that we lose. That we're, we're going to trust that our evaluation is good enough that we don't need the big safety net. And yeah, there's going to be a couple that slip through the cracks, but that's a an opportunity cost that you're willing to live with. That, that That's what it comes down to with what this staff wants moving forward. Fred Hoiberg, Nebraska, able to uh, pull a, a rabbit out of their hat. Wow. Uh, what a win and what a comeback down 17. I had uh, one eye on it while I was getting ready for high school ball but here's a little bit from from fred after the win against wisconsin and uh this was pretty funny about the the game ball how he was going to give it to Derek walker giving away game ball this year but i gave it to Derek for sucking so bad in those first two possessions and that got blaze into the game i'm just kidding i i I, yeah i gave it to blaze blaze was uh i'm so proud of him he's a guy that has gone through a lot this year with the injury he got hurt in the queens game with the high ankle sprain and you know he's really struggled with that for from a timing uh, standpoint we have been working on the big big lineup for this exact situation when they had two good post players with Wall and with Crowell and it allowed us to go one-on-one in the post. We slid Derek to the four and Blaze at the five and uh, those guys held their ground. We found a way where we got out of rotation which we obviously didn't do very well in that first half but you know for a kid like Blaze who has not complained one second since he's been here not one 
second has he ever come to my office and said, I, you know, can I get more time? He just continues to work. Or, uh, Coach Ziegler's done a great job giving him uh, individual workouts, him and Oleg. And, you know, for it to pay off in a game like this where we got down 17. And, you know, the biggest thing I'm proud of, we kind of got that identity back a little bit today with, I think they had 12 in the first media and then 17 the rest of the game. And Blaze was a huge part of that. Big time minutes for Blaze Keita and Nebraska is able to go with a bigger lineup. You know, a week ago I said it's surprising when this team wins to they're a team now that just will continue to to find a way. I, I'm really interested to see how tomorrow night goes. And as bad as the score looked against Michigan, they fought hard. Do they get drilled or do they keep on shocking tomorrow? And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing Needs go currency. Can watch the show live. Hail Varsity YouTube, also the Hail Varsity Radio Twitter handle, and uh, all that'll get posted here. The podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, our different segments, or just the full show. If you want to take that along, Mister Blackshirt Charlie McBride in about ten minutes, and then kind of the Blackshirt Hour of Power part two jay moore with his uh host to co-host big red wrap up jay's take on the super bowl uh, the walk-on program and uh how far he is going to smoke a golf ball in a little bit <laughs> with uh with it being in the uh, the low 60s today email the show chris at hailvarsity.com can dial us up at 46637 Seven six four six six three seven seven six eight hundred eight two five five eight six five. Those are the numbers to uh, get in. Want to remind you, of course, about getting buckled up. Uh, always wise to uh, hear that click happen. One of every three fatal crashes in Nebraska involves an alcohol impaired driver. Why take chances if you drink? Don't drive. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Good week. Good week of ball. Uh, wrapped the Super Bowl up yesterday. Husker basketball at Rutgers tomorrow night. And then uh, Husker baseball gets rolling on Friday as uh, they are down south uh, for that. Although they could play today at, at Haymarket and there would be some folks tailgating and grilling. Did you have a little sympathy at all for Eagle fan last night I mean, as they were – Viral and full of vitriol. Yes and no. No. I'm sorry. I mean, I can't. There's some fan bases that just turn you off and make you run. And I honestly believe that if I were were to show up at, at Lincoln Financial Field wearing a Giants jersey or whoever they're playing... You wouldn't leave alive. No, I mean they. I would have each eye socket caved in. Seriously, mm-hmm. and I just—that's their mo. I, I'd have more Chiefs. Th- Chiefs fans like will razz you, and they may throw some empty bottles at you. But if we're doing the hierarchy of danger for road venues, Philly's right up there. Oh, oh Kansas City fans aren't that dangerous. They're just annoying. Okay, fair. Big, big difference. And like- same with Denver. 
go to Denver and it's it's not a walk in the park to show up in someone else's jersey. I've seen. I've never been that guy. I always just kind of show up and go, and I'm not rocking a jersey. And, you know, Oakland always took the cake, and we'll see if it's changed to the black hole in Vegas or if that new stadium's taken a little bit of the, the danger away. I mean, somebody did time. There's teardrops, right, of people sitting in the black hole. The guy dressed as Darth Vader, and everyone's packing a shiv. Right. If you're if you if you're that's part of the induction. I mean, it's worse to get into the black hole than be a member of the Hell's Angels back in the day. Kidding. Joking. (laughs) But Philly's up there. And for them to have their heart broken. Not super sad. I'd have more more sympathy for them if they hadn't just won a Super Bowl five years ago. Well, and that's not all Eagles fans. There's a few Eagles fans around here in Nebraska that that like the team. But they aren't going to pour a beer on you and and punch your family member in the head. I don't know. Part of their charm, I guess. I need to to broaden my horizon. Charm's one way to call it, yeah. Coach McBride's on the way. Hour two with Hale Varsity continues. Hey, it's Schmitty. Want to tell you about a fantastic opportunity to work for a rapidly growing company that also enjoys the benefits earned with having competitive, stable history of work over 20 years? FSC. The FSC Edge, it's a leading technology innovator serving governmental agencies. Expert services helping worldwide patent offices meet strict processing and publishing timelines while delivering exceptional quality. They support some of the world's largest patent offices throughout the U.S. and Europe. That includes the European Patent Office, the German Patent and Trademark Office, and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. The only group of companies worldwide to provide such support to all three of these agencies. Working at FSC, you have a chance to work with fun people with great attitudes and learn about patents. You're not on the phone, you're not customer-facing, it's casual dress, and the work environment, it's a new environment with over $2 million in improvements. You have access to generous benefits packages, company support for health and wellness, and you do impactful work on a national scale. Make a difference. Their team's constantly growing, and they're always looking for new people to join their mission. Check out what's available today at fscedge.com. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back with you, Tower 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. And be sure to stream the show. can do so the Hale Varsity YouTube channel, Hale Varsity Twitter, at HVarsity Radio. Let us uh, bring in Mr. Blackshirt himself. Another Monday with Charlie. And we say hi to Coach Charlie McBride. Coach, uh, how was the uh, the Super Bowl vittles last night? How are we doing? Well, I was just sitting here counting my money. <laughs> so you put a wager. He, he uh, bet the doink, I'm no, sure. No, yeah. I, don't, I, I, got, I got out of that habit a long time ago. Good work. <laughs> <laughs> and that can get you in bad trouble, that stuff. Doing I, was, that. I was talking to a buddy. Uh, last night we were out having some wings and his his kid has signed in under his name 
with this app. But dad knows about it. But he's like, yeah, dad, I made a 50 bucks off betting some NBA. And we're like, hold your horses there here, Jimmy the Greek. Um, you're just you're just putting money down at night, huh? You you can get you can get buried doing that. So there was a, a, fr- a friendly conversation about that. I'm like, yeah, my my kids. I don't think he's gambling yet. <laughs> that tells you how good a parent I am. So I don't, I don't know, but I haven't I haven't had the. Uh, just don't bet, son, or do it responsibly. But yeah, the, the well, whole the whole world's betting I, football. So I got in trouble uh, when I was at Arizona State. Didn't know what I was doing. Really? I got to, no. I um, I never I never bet at all. But, but I used to go in this place on, after practice on Thursday, and these old guys out there they're just sitting there looking at sheets all the time. So one time they came up to me and said, can you help us out? And I said, well, what do you mean? <laughs> they said, well, can you do We just picked three teams. Well, two of them we played. Oh, no. So I knew they stuck. <laughs> I knew they weren't any good. So I, I did it, and I did it for, I think it was, six weeks. Oh, no. And uh, sure. And then I got a knock on my door. And it was from... Um, Thank God my brother, he was the head of white collar crime. My brother-in-law was the head of white collar crime for Reagan. And <laughs> I don't know, but he was he was in you know, Iowa somewhere. But anyway, they, they just told me to stop doing it. I mean, they knew I wasn't gambling, but they heard my name go over the, you know, over the border into New Mexico. So the, and, the, the, the three uh, guys. You know, somebody said, said, where are you getting all these? Because I was 18 and 0. Oh my God, <laughs> man! Charlie was the ultimate betting <laughs> just expert. Yeah, well, yeah. that that they said you better uh, you're going to lose your job. You better stop that. So I I didn't realize I was I wasn't gambling. I was just giving information. Man, I guess that that's not good either. So, I guess because you you have a it's an insider. I'm an insider. Man, eighteen and zero though. Got to be pretty proud of that. I mean, looking at the glass being half yeah, full. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, and I didn't. I, I didn't bet. I, if I had a bet, I probably <laughs> had made a lot of money. I don't know what they bet, how much they bet. I don't. I don't think these guys bet that much. So was this a? Was this just a, your name came up, or was it a wiretap thing? Were these were these yep. wise guys? The place was tapped. The whole oh, no. the whole place had been, and they had been investigated. I found out years before, and then they dropped it, and they started up again. I guess. Man, I didn't know. I didn't even know there. Uh, apparently, the guy that owned the place uh, didn't know it either. Exactly, I think he did, but he didn't. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, if he wants his kneecaps, right? Yeah. <laughs> this is Sammy well, the Bull. That's his big, table. It wasn't a big ring or anything that I know of. These guys are old guys. I mean, they're. You know, they're retired. I don't know. They they were all retired. Just 
Just we, drink beer, sit around and all day and talk. We didn't know what they were retired from. That's pretty good. Charlie <laughs> McBride's with us here. What a story. <laughs> that, <yeah. laughs> By the way, I went 18 and 0 and the Pac-12 was not great at the time and here's why and insider Charlie, I love it. I love it. What would you think of the game last night? I liked it. I I thought it was a it was a good game. I I was I had this feeling that um they didn't start out playing like they could play or something. There was, you know, they just it looked like the, the Chiefs kind of looked a little weak or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They just There was just something that made me feel like they're not playing like they can play. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought maybe, you know, him being hurt or something like that, the quarterback being hurt before. So I thought maybe they were protecting him or doing something, but – but I guess it, you know, pretty much at halftime, they, even after he got hurt, he, he's one of those kids that can play hurt. I mean, there, there's a lot of them that can't, and then he's one of them that can go over the top. A lot of, you know, the guy that was really famous for that was uh, Joe Montana. Mm. I mean, this guy's a basket case. They were, they, they had to glue him together, you know. Mm-hmm. But he played all the time. You know, I'm surprised he's still walking around. He's uh, he's hitting Super Bowl row parties and advertising for Guinness, so uh, Joe Cool is still doing all right. What do you <laughs> That's think? That's right. He's, he's like me. He had all his joints replaced. <laughs> so he's doing good. <laughs> Bionic man. I love it. So did you, did you have a problem with the penalty? Did that overshadow the game, the flag on third well, and eight? Let me, the hard thing about it is, is remember a couple of years ago when that guy really had a penalty? I mean, it was like, I mean, it was he blasted the guy and they yeah. didn't call it. Yeah. And 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 now they're, I think, you know, even though it, when it was quite a while ago, um, you know, they all say, well, the last couple of minutes, let them play. Well, that's not you should, I, you know, I can't go for that trick. Because if you're doing one thing during the game, you're doing another. Well, you know, the, the thing that after the game uh, today, when I watched it, I just happened to catch it where the kid that did it said he, he did it. <laughs> he, he said, I grabbed his shirt. He said it right on television everything. I was, you know, I, I was wrong. Mm-hmm. But he... Um, you know, the thing that happened was it wasn't as flagrant as there's some stuff you see where they beat each other up on the way down the sideline, and they're, you know, I mean, it's a joke, some of it. So the consistency has never been there. Mm. I, it, and and nobody's ever sat down and said, we're going to follow the rule, and this is the way it's going to be, and if you do it, you know, and what degree you do it, too bad. Mm-hmm. And then he did it at probably... He did a two out of a ten, yeah. as far as I could see, you know. And but he did it, and so that's probably they were scared not to do it. Well, yeah, Charlie. I mean, the, the thing is, is is you're right. I, in terms of the the penalty, it was a two out of ten type infraction. My problem isn't that they called it; it's that that they were letting the the four out of ten type infraction slide all game long. Well, that. They just they're get they're at a, they're at a point now where somebody's got to stop it. This is going to help stop it. I mean that's what I said. Call the thing the way the rule book says, mm-hmm. and you'll stop it. 
I mean, guys will stop doing that stuff. I mean, how many times have you seen a kid go down the sideline and the guy put his arm over his arm and take his hand? Yeah. And actually, and putting his arm over and pushing it with his arm is one thing. But when a guy grabs your hand, your, your hand, when you can't get up with one hand, now guys are catching the ball. They don't care. They're catching with one hand, <laughs> you know. But they're getting that outside hand, and they're just pushing it down so the guy can only catch it with one hand. And they're not calling it. Mm-hmm. So they're Monday. And, you with... know, the, the, the other thing is a lot of guys, they got to have everybody involved in it that's down on that end of the field because they all say, well, that's his call. I saw it, but that's his call. That's a bunch of garbage. <laughs> you know, if you see it, you call it. Mm-hmm. Sorry for cutting you off, Coach, there. It's, uh, it's another Monday with Coach Charlie McBride here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Coach, the penalty was a, a big talking point today. I want to get your, your take on the other big talking point, the, the playing surface. A lot of players out there are slipping and sliding oh. around on the field. And from a, a coaching point of view, does that change how you have to call a football game knowing that your guys are out in the field slipping and sliding around? We've had stuff like that. You change your shoes. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you do. I mean, there's there's things like that. That's That, that should have been – Known, yeah. I don't know if they could figure it out before the game, but I'm so tired of the National Football League. They came in one day when we were practicing, and we paid for the field and we paid for all this stuff out in Phoenix. They were having a a, a game out there, and they had the field fixed. Apparently, they said they fixed it for the NFL. Well, Tom basically told them, forget it. We're going out there anyway. I don't care what you say. We paid for this place. So they went out there. We went out and practiced on it. We didn't notice any difference in anything. But the next day, they tore the whole field up. Tore the whole thing up and redid the whole field in a week. I mean, it was, you know, and these guys are, you know, they're crazy. (laughs) And, uh, you know, they, they they got Mr. Guru that was they had his picture in the paper the other day. How many years he's been doing it? Well, I'll tell you one thing. I found out. I found out through the through my grapevine, which is nothing, that that guy isn't going to be around next year. Mm. See, they put that thing out on the outside, and then they mm. coming in. It's like a big train coming in. It's a tra- on tracks, and it comes in and goes out, so they can use that place for you know car shows and boat shows and whatever they do and uh so but that that um that whole thing about the grass is you know I remember playing at u c l a we played before they had the soccer uh a big you know soccer deal, and they leveled the, the field off they took the mound out of it, mm. and I'll tell you what you couldn't you could not be cut on it and it would not come up Jeez! and it was the best grass i ever saw boy could you run on that stuff hmm. i mean it's in the, it was in the rose bowl so we were playing ucla coach want to get your take on the the walk-on program real quick got about three minutes here and it sounds like uh due to title nine mandates nebraska's gonna have to reduce their roster size walk-on wise and and just Give me a thought on on what what's the right number? Is there a right number for the walk on program as far as walk ons to take? That really makes some of the girls mad. I mean, Nick, because uh, that happened with us and they cut their money out. It went 
Bob was giving them more money than Title IX award, would award them, you know, when it, when it went through. Mm-hmm. And they actually lost money on it. But I think that what's going to happen is what we had a lot of we had a lot of walk-ons at one time too many mm. and i think what you do a little bit to to be honest with the players is probably to take some take the take all of the all of the walk-on kids and test them and set a set a set a standard for your test and if they didn't make that standard you would help them get a, a job at another school so, you know maybe mm-hmm. go on and we had some guys do that you know that actually we helped them get on to at Kearney and you had then time UNO at one time and and Concordia and some of the schools we helped them get you know get straightened out there and that was they were happy with that but some want to go to school at Nebraska and 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 in when you really find out about it they kind of like football and they like to go out and uh, you know and nobody ever cuts them so they kind of stay, you know, with it, and it didn't, you know, and so we found out a lot of a lot of stuff about the program, that there are some kids like that that are uh, coming on, but it seems like we got down to a point where we were asking for film and coaches' recommendations and everything, so I think you got to just, go, if you're going to do it right, you test them, tell them, look at, you know, if you don't make the grades on the testing scores, will help you get a job somewhere else. Charlie McBride with us. That makes a ton of sense. And you've got about 10 to 12 guys you can target. You have good communication with the high school coaches in the region and in the towns and get their feedback and then uh, see them at camp. And then, yeah, your your take on here's the test, here's the bar, here's what you got to pass to – to be a walk-on makes a lot of sense, Coach. The high school, the high school coaches will understand what's going on. I mean, yeah. that'll that'll help a little bit too, as long as they understand it. No, absolutely, all about communication, Coach. We'll uh, run you down next Monday, and this uh, went too fast, but it was a lot of fun to to chat with you. Real quick, how many wings did you eat last night? I only ate a dozen. Okay, that's all I had, too. There's still a whole bunch in the kitchen that I'm looking at right now. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's pretty that's good. That's the best part of the week after the Super Bowl. It's the just, leftovers. You just, just crush some they're more wings. Better, they're better when they're aged. <laughs> oh, that works well. Well, it's, it's you're sad about football ending, but you're you're happy about the food that you have left over. That's kind of the give and the take of this week. <laughs> that is pretty good. Coach, thanks so much for the time today. It was fun, okay. to, fun to talk with okay. you. Okay. Have fun. Okay. Okay. Bye now. There he is, Coach McBride. Who'd have known? 18 and 0. Man. Ultimate betting insider, Charlie McBride. Uh, Allegedly. Man. (laughs) Listen to him. Like, yeah, I got in trouble. Like, what? Check that segment out. Coach McBride, if you just caught part uh, of the interview, talked about his time at Arizona State, and three guys uh, were asking his. His insight. Jay Moore's on the way. It's Hale Varsity. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity. And I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. 
That's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe. Promo code GBR. All-State, two-year starter, and rush in for the Big Red and NFL vet. Is Dudeness or uh, Duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino, if you're not into the whole brevity thing. It's Blackshirt Jay Moore with Hail Varsity Radio. Back into it at Hail Varsity Radio, presented by Currency, Blackshirt Husker, NFLer, Jay Moore, co-host Big Red Wrap-Up. Find him on Twitter at Moore. 44. Well, Bird, the NFL season is done. A pretty intense Super Bowl with uh, Kansas City claiming a second crown, 38-35. Your takeaway, what, what's your your memory of the game? What, what's, what's it going to be remembered for for you? Yeah, I remember this one as obviously a really good game, kind of what we all wanted. I know when we chatted last week, I was – you know, I was rooting for the for the Eagles just because of what happened to Cincinnati down in Kansas City. But I was I wanted Philly to win. But it was just a it was a well fought game. And I know it comes down to that Bradbury holding call. And that was that's kind of the the focal point. Just as kind of the, the calls in the end of the AFC Championship game were as well. And I can I see that situation from both sides. I understand that. It, you know, it could have it could have not been called. You know, I've seen I've seen way worse holding calls, obviously. And I know defensive linemen get held every play. And I know if you had Searles on here, he'd tell me I'm full of crap and tell me that you know <laughs> that the offensive linemen don't hold every play, but he's full of crap too. They do, uh, and don't let him tell you any differently. But uh, it's uh, it's just it's tough. You know, I I don't think it when it's when these close games and these tough games come down, you know, if there's a call made, of course it's going to affect how the outcome of the game is. And, of course, people are going to overreact and say, how can you do that? How can you make that call at this time of the game? I, I look at it as really two plays that are kind of what made that ball game. It was a Hurts fumble and a return for a touchdown, and it was a return by the Chiefs. Similar situation what the Chiefs did in, in the AFC Championship game against the Bengals. Got a good return. And, obviously, the, the uh, roughing out of a uh, late hit penalty on home – on Mahomes, you know, got them in field range. Very similar kind of how this game proceeded to end in in, uh, in Arizona last night. So, good game. I, I still think, you know, Philly had this thing in, in control. They, they really did. That hurts fumble and fumble read that, and them getting seven points off of that, that that changed the perplexity of this ball game. And then Kansas City's second-half adjustments, you know, the Philly just could not, could not hang with them offensively. They just – Really, just wanted to kind of hang there in man coverage, you know, all game, and and rightfully so. That's what they kind of played a lot during the year, is because their defense is, was has been remarkable. You know, they had seventy sacks during the year. That's incredible. They didn't get any against Mahomes, and I know the field conditions weren't the best, and I know the guys were were sliding all over the place, and that might have something to do with it. But Kansas City made adjustments and made plays at the right times to win this football game, and you got to tip your hat to them, and I'll give them all the credit in the world. You know, this is, this is wild that this is Mahomes' what third, third, uh, third Super Bowl, and and two, and he has two wins and two MVPs, and off to a hell of a start. We'll see what you know how Andy uh, Andy Reid kind of swims off, you know, sells off into his uh, end of his career coaching wise. But it was a good game. That's what that's what you want. I know that that end of the call, the holding is is going to get focused on the most. But Chiefs made more plays, man. That's just how it comes down to. It. They made more plays when when it mattered. 
Jay Moore is with us. Hail Varsity Radio reaction to Super Bowl 57. And, and you nailed it with the special teams and the scoop and score. I mean, those those were momentum shifters. Um, Kansas City's offensive line, just flat out fantastic. No sacks, only five hurries. And uh, Kansas City also able to get their run game going. Without going too deep into the weeds, to your eyes, what were the adjustments that Kansas City made? I mean, I know they they brought motion, but they had two walk-in touchdowns on third down. Yeah, they, well, they did a really good job. I mean, you saw any time they, they, they did it. That's what you see against defenses that run a lot of man covers, motions. A, because when you send a guy in motion, you can tell – what kind of coverage you're in. You know, if you send a guy in motion and no one moves, you know they're going to be in zone coverage. But then you see, send a guy in motion and a DB or a linebacker or a safety is going to, uh, a sec, you know, a quarterback's going to run with him. Okay, no, you know you got some sort of a man-to-man situation. But they did a really good job was they made it quick motion, really made it, uh, seem like they were going to go all the way across the formation to the other side of the field. But then at the snap of the ball, boom, they would plant and go the opposite direction. And that secondary, the guy in the secondary for the Philadelphia Eagles was like, he was sure as hell that he was going all the way across the formation to the other side of the field to catch some sort of ball. And it just little tweaks like that, you kind of saw it with um, and Kelsey's routes, they ran a, you know, a lot of times they called whip routes or jerk routes. Uh, you just, they did a really good job of just recognizing the coverage is there and running the routes. And you saw a lot of misdirection and just the way the – I mean, hell, they, they did the ring around the rosy formation again. That's <laughs> all like we saw against – they did against uh, the Raiders, I think, in the uh, last uh, game of the season. So they just they, – they gave them everything. And uh, you had to because Philly is such a good defense. You had to throw the whole kitchen sink at them. And Philly just wasn't, wasn't, uh, wasn't able to respond. And not getting enough pressure – on Mahomes, getting in the sacks. I know he was hurried a handful of times, but you know his ability to still escape out of the pocket with that bum ankle. And I know he had that 20-some yard run there late in the game that really set up uh, the, the the winning field goal. So this Kansas City just did a really good job of, of uh, you know recognizing what coverage they're in and exploiting them. And then you know Philly just was not able to uh, adjust and adapt and, and make the plays that they needed to. Yeah, Jay, but I think this Super Bowl will always be overshadowed by the fact that Philly didn't get an offensive possession. It's kind of like that uh, that AFC divisional between the Bills and the Chiefs where Josh Allen didn't get that possession in overtime. You think, yeah, the Chiefs won this game fair and square, which that's how I, what I think of last night, but you always think, what if the other offense would have gotten a chance? And I, I want to talk about that, that penalty call briefly. We, we hit it on it a little bit at the beginning of the interview, but I can see it two ways. One, by the letter of the law, it is in fact a penalty that I can't disagree with but what I can disagree with is the fact that they hadn't been calling that kind of stuff all game long with with no pass interference is called no defensive holdings called all game long and then you call it in the biggest moment it happened within five yards of the line of scrimmage which a lot of times refs will give some guys some more leeway and then also it looked to be an overthrown football to me from Patrick Mahomes and, and, that, doesn't, and, and that doesn't matter with holding but whenever you combine all those factors together it just seems like a brutal call on something that seemed pretty ticky tacky and Jay I want to get your take is that how you see it as well that you know what letter of the law yes it's a penalty but whenever you combine all those factors it just feels like you should keep the flag in your pocket. Yeah, I think I would have liked to have seen the flag kept in the pocket. I just – there wasn't enough. It, there was – he did not 
if he didn't put one hand on him, I don't think he's able to catch that football still. Yes, it was over, overthrown a little bit, but he did not redirect him or cause enough struggle to coming out of his break that, that it, to me, was enough to throw the flag. And I totally agree the situation. you you got to kind of let the guys play a little more. And unless it's just completely you know egregious and blatant, it's one of those where you <laughs> you would like to just you know swallow your whistle and keep that flag in your pocket. And I know it's it's hard, you know. And as a as a fan sitting there and, and watching the game, you don't these guys, you know. There's the referees calling the Super Bowl. They they're the best they're the best graded ones all, all through 18 weeks in the NFL. You know they they earn this right, so they do they know what they're doing. But again, I I, I agree, Elijah. I, I would have loved to see them. Swallow the whistle and and put the flag in the pocket. To, I just didn't see enough. I, I I'm I'm on board with that, and uh, it just kind of it is what it is. It's it's it just feels you know Kansas City just got listen they they played really really good, but they also got the benefit of a couple calls to go their way uh, in in some games in the playoffs this year. But that's just how it goes. You're gonna get you're gonna have instances like that. And that's I'm not trying to knock them at all, but that's just that's part of the game. They got the right calls at the right time, and they're the capitalize. They you know they still had to go out there and make a field goal, and they still had to operate the end of the game situation. You know I think McKinnon could have scored there, but he took a knee. Very smart, very heady play out of him. So, yep, I I agree. I I wish the penalty wasn't called. I wish that. Uh, Philly was able to go down there and get an opportunity to tie the game or or win the game, and uh, it just just didn't happen. But you, you know what? You, you got to take care of the football on Philly's end, and you got to you know you got to tackle a guy on a punt return and get him down, and you got to make plays when you when you need to. You can't let Mahomes with a bum ankle scramble for 25 yards on you. So that's uh, that's a little you know that's just a kind of playing devil's advocate there with some other situations that happened in that game where, where Philly could have done themselves a, you know, a, a favor or two. Four yards was the penalty yardage walked off uh, from the 15 to the 11. You'd like to think Butker could hit from the 15, but I get it, it's absolutely uh, demoralizing. It, it's, a, it's a momentum and well, energy thing. It's about the automatic first down, the fact that the right. Chiefs just get to run that well, clock it's, down. It's, it's time. Yeah. It's absolute time. <laughs> no, absolutely. You have more time on the clock for Hurts to, to go to work. Last sign of the Super Bowl, Bird, but do you, do you expect Philly to to be back? Uh, Hurts' passing yards, his rushing numbers – I mean, we're talking damn near 400 yards total offense, three rushing touchdowns, had the two-point conversion. And he throws such a good, deep ball. He throws his guys open, and then uh, you're able to get um, some some of your your dudes. I mean, the crossing route, my God, I have no idea, nor do I want to volunteer trying to check Devontae Smith on a crossing route because uh, cause that was going early. But, but Philly seems like, uh, all right, they'll learn and they'll be back. Yeah, I would, I would totally ex, ex, you know, expect that. I think the NFC East is going to be a really tough division. You know, you got three out of the four teams in the playoffs this year. I, as long as Hurd stays healthy, you know, they're they're able to keep their core guys, you know, together. And that's all. That's what it comes down to. You know, is just having your guys, having your best players stay healthy, and keeping your offensive line together. 
and, make, and making sure they stay healthy. And if they're if they have no major injuries, they should win the East, no problem again next year, and be right in the situation uh, again. You know, Hertz is young, really, and then. It'll be interesting to see. I, I know their offensive coordinator might be getting pulled here for the Colts mm-hmm. job, I believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but that could have some effect on it. But, again, your core guys are there. The head coach kind of is the pseudo-OC anyway, mm-hmm. so I, I have no reason to believe that they can't make it back and be in the same situation, even even with how good the NFC East, I think, will be here for the next couple of years. Jay Moore with us here, Hale Varsity Radio, Blackshirt Husker, NFLer Jay Moore. We'll catch up uh, with Jay next segment, get his take on the walk-on situation for Nebraska and uh, his thoughts as uh, he'll have some perspective, specifically when uh, Callahan kind of trimmed the walk-on roster. Jay Moore continues with Hale Varsity. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Jay Moore is with us. It's Hale Varsity Radio, Blackshirt Husker NFLer, at Moore 44 on Twitter, co-host Big Red Wrap-Up. Jay, want to switch to Husker football, and you were a part of Nebraska, and you were part of a Nebraska in an era with Callahan where you had some really good walk-ons. You had guys that were big on special teams, guys that were big-time contributors on the field, uh, first through fourth down. Your take right now, and good story by Sam McEwen, going to go there with the walk-on program and being Title IX compliant and just the reality of numbers and what the numbers will be moving forward aren't what they were 30 years ago. Yeah, it's always an interesting conversation here in this state, not as, as a big a topic in other and other Division I programs because it, it, we do have such a storied history with the walk-on program. And I do under, I see both sides. I see, I think of all the good walk-ons that I played with, the, the Brandon Ragonis, the Andy Canavies, the Blake Peakies, um, oh gosh, uh, the Grant Mulkeys. He came as a walk-on. I know he didn't finish his career, but he was a, a big con- uh, contributor at the wide receiver position. Um, you know, there's a handful of other guys that I, that I played with that played special teams who had, or even became starters towards the end of their career on offensive, on the offensive side or defensive side. I mean, Todd Peterson came to Nebraska as a walk-on. So I see, you know, it's kind of like the the sales technique. You know, you need a hundred, you need a hundred prospects to get ten sales. It's kind of the same way you'd think to get with the walk-on program. You probably need a hundred walk-ons to get ten good ones to, to come out of it. So I understand that side of it, but I also understand understand the management side of it. I know when I got to Nebraska in 2002, I believe there were 200, over 200 guys on the roster. And that is just something that is hard hard to manage. And I know Bill cut down on that uh, heavily when he got there. And I know Bo kind of got back to getting some more guys, more some more walk-ons, and recognizing that that needs to be a, a vital part of the program. So I do understand both sides, but I think I, I can't disagree to what Matt's doing, and especially in a day and age where you're able to sign more than 25 guys, you know, in a, in a recruiting cycle on scholarship. So I, I do, I do see the benefits of of cutting some, you know, of cutting some stuff down a little bit just from a, just from a sheer management thing. So you got, I mean, that, you got a head coach who's trying to manage a roster of 150 plus players, deal with recruiting, deal with transfer portals, deal with NIL stuff. 
deal with all this other these other things that hey, twenty some years ago, Tom Osborne didn't have to deal with this stuff. You know, Frank Solis didn't have to deal with a lot of these things these head coaches have to deal with uh, nowadays. So I, I I get it, and I know his his uh, support staff. He's he's got he's got one of the biggest support staffs in the country as as it should be. You know, Nebraska needs to be on par with the Alabamas and the Clemsons and the Georgias on the support staff. I think there's 38 people now on the support staff. Awesome. Great. We have the budget to do it. Pay people to come here to, to help guys become the best they can be, players they can be, and coaches they can be. All for it. But I do – there is just – if you want to build this thing the right way, there has to be some sort of control. And I just don't think – you know, Matt Rule feels like he can have control of this program if he's dealing with 170, 175 guys in the roster. I just don't think that's doable, and 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 I can see that. And like, but like I said, like, again, devil's advocate. I do know if you want to get some good walk-ons that, that come in, you're going to have to get a lot to make sure you get the ones that can contribute and play. And, but uh, I, I see, I see both sides and where the, where everyone comes from. But I think I have to, I have to favor with having control and a good firm grasp on, on your program and having control of it. Well, and the reality, too, is you I don't know what, what Coach Rule is going to run. If he'll do a Solich, Frost, check that, Solich, Osborne, Saban, four-station practice, or if it's going to be two stations, right? I mean, right. that's just it. Is is If you're going to have all those guys, they all need to be getting the, the reps – or you'd want to get those reps on the field uh, Monday through Thursday. So by year three, you got a shot in hell of actually playing or contributing or just being a scout team guy that helps the program. But, you know, it's it's not been kind of throwback practice style and setup uh, for, for a long time. I mean, and that's, you know, you talk to some old coaches, former coaches, that's, that's a big reason for the lack of, of development and depth. Yeah, I see it. If even it was three stations, you know, that's 11 guys each side of the ball. That's 22 players. That's 66 total guys for three stations. Now, if you want to do a, a two deep in that situation for everyone, that's a what's that? That's 132 players. Mm-hmm. That's more than manageable. I, I don't, I don't, you know, we're not trying to cut it down to a 90 man roster like you go into training camp with a, in an NFL. I think there's still going to be. 135 to 150 guys. I don't know how many. To be honest, I don't. Off the top of my head, I have no idea how many guys were on the roster that Scott Frost had. It had been. It had been about 160. Uh, yeah. So I think just cutting it down a little bit, but you're still able. If you wanted to do a three-station drill with a two deep, you know, you, you're able to. You're able to do that. And I know there's some special teams guys that, that play into that, but you're able to still achieve what you want to do in, with the numbers. But I also do think. I, I was a part of, when I first got Nebraska, I was a part of the station stuff. It was fine, you know, but, like, I developed just as fine after the fact because, you know, when Bill got there, that's when I kind of took my big steps, and we didn't have that. So I think it's easy to say everyone has to get a ton of reps, a ton of reps. There is, but also has to be a quality, too. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can get a ton of reps, and you can have a GA kind of, you know, looking at stuff and, you know, not really paying attention to what's going on in a certain station. But you still have to get coached up the right way. And, and when you get into the film room after a practice, you don't have enough time to go over everyone's reps. You don't have time to go over. A, in spring ball, you do. I will say that. That's a, the, in spring ball, you do. Once you get into the season, 
you don't have enough time to go through and, and grade everyone. So a guy could be out there, say, hey, I'm, I'm playing, I'm getting reps, but is it good reps? Is it quality reps? Is it, am I actually getting better doing these reps? And you have to know that because sometimes as a young player you don't know. So I, don't, I, I would like to see, obviously, guys get more reps, but I think you can do it in other ways potentially than having to say, okay, here's, here's, here's four groups. I think we've kind of – I'm more of a, a quality over, over quantity type of guy when I, you know, when I view it from that angle. Well, Jay, I've heard stories of walk-ons that had to go sit in the, the Stands Memorial Stadium during scrimmages during the past couple of seasons because the roster was too big. They just didn't have space for some of these guys to practice. And I think whenever you hear that, it makes you think, you know what, maybe this walk-on program should be cut down to size, at least until this program gets turned around in a way where, you know what, you can afford to spend a little bit more time on them. Absolutely. You want to be able to give guys the right attention. I, I mean, like I said, when I got to Nebraska in 2002, I guarantee you some of the main coaches did not even know some of those guys' names because there's just too many kids. I remember running into Craig Bull, like, in the middle of the hallway and be like, hey, coach. He'd be like, hey, you. Like, he didn't even know who the hell I was. And I was a recruited freshman. So I just think they, they got so much stuff they're kind of dealing with. Listen, I want every kid that wants to come play football at Nebraska that – is able to, to some extent, to come play. I want them to experience that. But I also, you know, want them to come here and have a good experience as well. And I, I know the coaches want to be able to give them the right attention and have them understand what they're trying to accomplish in day in and day out. And sometimes you just get too many guys and you just you can't get enough accomplished throughout the day. So I, I do think if there is a fine line to having, you know, too many guys on the roster. Jay Moore's with us. 10 to 12 invited preferred walk-ons, I think, could be the number. Mm-hmm. Jay, this was awesome, man. Awesome to chat walk-ons. Awesome to chat Super Bowl with you. Thanks for a few minutes with us today. You got it, guys. I enjoy it as always. Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time at Hail Varsity Radio, presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. So if you're a Lincoln listener, just a friendly reminder that uh, ESPN is um, flipping over to KFOR. And, hey, uh, find us over on uh, 1240 a.m. in the very new near future. But if you listen on the FM signal, which uh, the sound is clear anyway, just to let you know for any mm-hmm. AM listeners, it stays 101.5 moving forward for ESPN, or at least uh, Hail Varsity Radio. Yes, so find us 4 to 6 tomorrow. Um, yeah, so uh, and can stream, kf1now.com uh, is one way, but we invite you to check things out, as always, on the Hail Varsity YouTube channel and the Hail Varsity uh, Twitter handle. Yes, Good ways to watch the show at HVarsity Radio. Catch Damon and Andrew 7 to 9, and uh, we'll be uh, rocking and rolling 4 to 6. Yeah, nothing changes for our podcast listeners. Nothing changes for our great listeners up in Omaha, Kearney, Hastings, Grand Island, uh, Columbus. None of those uh, places are affected. Just our local Lincoln listeners who listen over the air, a, uh, a switch to our AM signal. So, uh, thoughts and hugs to Brennan. His deep freeze. Took a knee, 64 pounds of venison, beef, and pork. God, I am sorry, man. We'd help you, we'd help you eat it, too. See, I feel bad because if my deep freeze went out, I'd lose some popsicles, um, some frozen vegetables. I think I have a ham in there. Stuff maybe. you don't need. 
that is venison, pork, and beef. Yeah, that's that's that's, that's the real that's stuff. Real. Uh, also, real NFL numbers. What was the tally? Uh, it was over a hundred million My viewers. Lord. 113 on average. Averaged 113 million. The halftime show got 118 million. This was the most watched Super Bowl in the last six years and the third most watched show on television ever. Super Bowl 57. So you've got MASH, probably, that's still there. I don't know. For its time, the MASH finale. Yeah, what what are the most watched shows? Oh, I'm... You're, You're Googling away. MASH averaged 105 million viewers. Okay, so the, so the, the MASH finale. Super Bowl has beaten that, though. Okay. Uh, most watched, let's Hawkeye see. is not happy right let's now. Let's see how updated Wikipedia is. Super Bowl, uh, I don't know Roman numerals. Which one is that? Oh, the Patriots and Seahawks Super Bowl with the uh, the pick on the goal line mm-hmm. down at the end. Is that? F- Malcolm Butler. 49, is that what that is? Uh, it might have been four. It might have been 37. Uh, no. 40, 47. X-L-I-X. I still don't know Roman. 48? 48. Mm-hmm. You're better than me. So Super Bowl 48 is the most watched, uh, followed by 47, and then 50. Okay. I'm not sure how up-to-date these numbers are, but they all go, all averaged over 100 million. Basically, the top 10 is all a whole bunch of Super Bowls and then MASH. Okay. Is the top 10 most watched. <laughs> then there's ever. MASH. Giants, Bills, Super Bowl 25, the Norwood kick. Is there Seattle, New England, incredible Rams, Titans? That finish was big time. Giants, Patriots, Broncos, Packers. That had a finish. Steelers, Cardinals was awesome. I can actually zoom this out. the uh, The top twenty five most viewed television shows ever were all Super Bowls plus Mash. Man, I thought maybe Dallas the finale would get into there, but nope. That one kind of went out with a whimper. Back tomorrow, plenty of thoughts, Huskers and Rutgers. Eddie Markowski, Mitch Sherman tomorrow. A Huda Media Production.